Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Hey folks, Tom Merritt here. Not all of you have heard all the episodes, and sometimes there are updates. This episode is about Privacy Shield, was originally released November 19th, 2020, but there is news that has been added since the original episode. Enjoy. I heard Europe declared sending data to the United States illegal. Does that mean I I can't send email to my friends? Is Facebook going away in Europe? Are you confused? Don't be. Let's help you know a little more about the EU-US Privacy Shield. On July 6, 2020, the Court of Justice of the European Union, or as we fondly call it, the CJEU, invalidated an agreement between the EU and the United States that let data be transferred easily between the two countries. The agreement known as Privacy Shield was the most recent attempt to harmonize the privacy laws of the two governments. So why do we even need this? Why, why, do, why should I care? Well, you may care if you use any kind of cloud service in the U.S., from Microsoft Azure to Facebook, from the EU. Because without easy data transfer, your costs go up, or the services might even go away. So here's why you even need an agreement on data transfer at all. With a few limited exceptions, it's illegal for a company to send personal information about EU residents to a place that doesn't offer equivalent privacy protections to what the EU provides. In other words, Either the laws have to be pretty much the same, or there has to be an agreement that gives you the same protections when your data goes from the EU to the other place. Now, this does not apply to necessary data transfer, like sending an email. You can send an email from the EU to the U.S. without needing a privacy shield agreement. You can book travel on a U.S. website from the EU or vice versa. This law only applies to data that could be stored anywhere. It's usually internal data for a company. So ad targeting data, for sure, is one of the main uses for this. About 5,000 companies move personal data between the U.S. and the EU for their own internal reasons. Maybe they get a better deal on servers in one location, so they store all the data there. Maybe it makes some particular operation more efficient to keep it all in one place near a headquarter office. Cross-border activities can include things like cloud services, human resources, or marketing, as I mentioned, and more. Of course, companies could just keep all their EU data in the EU and keep all their U.S. data in the U.S., but that would mean redundant systems and complex programming to make sure that the data gets routed to the right region. Difficulties when you need to look at all your data in aggregate across the two regions and more. It costs more money to keep two regions' data completely separate. Here's a really oversimplified and technically inaccurate example, but it will help you wrap your head around the problem. So I run a website called dailytechnewsshow.com. Let's say I turn on my comments, but my web server is in the United States. Without an agreement, when somebody makes a comment from Europe, I need to store that comment in the EU, which means I now have to have a separate server just for EU comments, 
which doubles my costs. I got to pay for two servers now. Also, when I run analytics on my visitors to see how many people are visiting, what they click on, all of that kind of stuff, I have to run it separately on the two servers, then aggregate the end results. And that means my stock analytics program doesn't work. And maybe I have to pay somebody to create a new program. Now, I can already hear the objections that this isn't really the problem with the privacy shield. It's not really how it works, but it's a metaphor. Take those kinds of problems, make them valid, and multiply them by $5 trillion in corporate cloud services, and you can wrap your head around what the problem is. There are real problems when you're talking about ad targeting data or cloud storage data or customer data, having data on an Irish server uh, that applies to somebody in the U.S. and vice versa. This is only an issue for companies who operate across both the EU and the U.S., of course. It may seem obvious, but if all your personal data is in the EU, you can just keep all your data there, problem solved. Although it may be cheaper to keep it on an Amazon Web Service server somewhere, so it might be more expensive for you to do that even then. But if you have customers or employees in both regions, you need to respect both regions' laws, and Privacy Shield makes doing that simple. Without an overall agreement, each of the approximately 5,000 companies that handle data across the U.S. and EU have to negotiate their own standard contract clauses, or SCCs. There's also a similar mechanism called a binding corporate rule, BCRs. For simplicity, I'm just going to refer to SCCs since the issues with both of these are pretty similar. Of course, the other option you have is to stop bringing any personal data from the EU to the U.S., which, as we said, costs you money, time, resources, etc. Now, we used to have a solution for this that lasted for 13 years. Actually, technically 15 years. From 2000 to 2013, everything was fine. It worked under an agreement called Safe Harbor. Not the Safe Harbor Section 230, not other Safe Harbors. It was Safe Harbor was just the name of the agreement for the EU-U.S. data sharing. Companies sending EU citizens data to the U.S. would opt into EU-style privacy rules for that data, and those rules would be enforced by the U.S. government. Hey, look, everybody's happy. If you, if you have European data, you can keep it in the U.S., you just apply EU rules to it, and the U.S. government is there to make sure that companies are following those rules. The other option, of course, was the aforementioned SCC. That uses pre-approved EU contract language to essentially achieve the same thing. Now, normally you wouldn't need that if you've got this nice safe harbor rule covering everything, but big companies with enough legal expertise usually implemented the SEC sort of as a backstop. Still, even those companies were covered under safe harbor, uh, and if a smaller company didn't want to mess with the SECs, didn't know what the, all the implications might be, how to implement it properly, they were covered by safe harbor. Then Edward Snowden came along and ruined it for everyone. Uh, well, in, he, he ruined it in lots of ways for lots of things. But in this particular case, leaked documents showed that the U.S. NSA had access to bulk collection of data from people who were not citizens of the U.S. And for the purposes of this discussion, that means Europeans. They had bulk collection of data of Europeans, and they had access to that. Well, as you could have guessed, Austrian Max Schrems, well, you may not have guessed Max Schrems, but a European, particularly Austrian Max Schrems, challenged the Safe Harbor Agreement, arguing that the NSA's access was allowed under Safe Harbor. He said, look, Safe Harbor lets them do this. Therefore, the Safe Harbor Agreement itself 
is in conflict with EU law because this kind of bulk data access would not be allowed in the EU. That was his argument. He took it to the Court of Justice of the European Union, and the court agreed with Schrems. They ruled that Safe Harbor did not properly protect EU data. Now, the reason they ruled that way uh, was because they identified two main problems. First, the process of bulk access by U.S. intelligence services was a problem under EU law. In the decision striking down Safe Harbor, uh, the CJEU wrote, access on a generalized basis, that's important, access on a generalized basis to the content of electronic communications must be regarded as compromising the essence of the fundamental right to respect for private life as guaranteed by Article 7 of the Charter, referring to the European Union's Charter. Now, the second problem was the inability of EU citizens to seek redress in the U.S. over this access. Not only was this access a violation of the right to private life, but you couldn't even complain. You had no way to go to the United States and say, hey, wait a minute, Uh, my data shouldn't be uh, accessed in that way. I'm a European citizen. And the court determined that that interfered with the right of EU citizens to an effective remedy. Now, in the wake of this invalidation, EU lawmakers and the U.S. Department of Commerce worked together to create a new framework called Privacy Shield. That addressed the court's concerns, they thought. The U.S. Office of the Director of National Intelligence made written assurance that any access by public authorities would be only for national security purposes, subject to clear limitations, safeguards, and oversight mechanisms. And in fact, they limited it to six situations when the NSA could access bulk collected data on Europeans. This was meant to show that the access to the bulk data was not general. Remember, the words of the decision were access on a generalized basis. So the U.S. thought, well, okay, but there are legitimate security reasons to access this data, so we'll just line those out. We'll give you the six cases in which we would access this data, and that will not be considered general. As for the right to complain, the right for a European to have redress, to go to the U.S. and say, hold on, you shouldn't have accessed my data, Privacy Shield created an independent ombudsperson who could hear complaints from Europeans about how their data had been handled by the NSA. Now, the U.S. put this person in the State Department, separate from National Security Services, but still in the same department as the Security Services. Not everybody was pleased with that. However, complaints had a... a Time limit on them. If you brought a complaint, it had to be resolved in 45 days. And national data protection authorities in the European Union would work with the U.S. FTC and Commerce Department to make sure all these complaints were getting resolved. The U.S. also enacted a law giving EU citizens access to U.S. courts to enforce privacy rights in relation to personal data transferred to the U.S. for law enforcement purposes. So if your data got collected in this bulk data access, and you thought it was not supposed to be, you could actually take them to court as well, not just to the ombudsperson. Under Privacy Shield, each company would certify its privacy policies were in line with Privacy Shield each year, and the U.S. Department of Commerce would work to verify this. That sounds really strong. Some people said, well, but it's self-certification. And how much enforcement is the U.S. Department of Commerce really going to do? Maybe this is weak. Uh, But it was there. It was saying, here's how it gets implemented. So in 2016, they adopted Privacy Shield. And as you might expect, it immediately faced criticism. Particularly, people felt that Privacy Shield wasn't compatible perfectly 
with the brand spanking new General Data Protection Regulation, or GDPR, which had just been passed that same year, 2016, and would go into effect in 2018. Max Schrems is back. Hi, I'm Max. He actually said uh, in an interview with Ars Technica, I really don't want to be the person to challenge Privacy Shield, but turned out he was, and he brought another case against Privacy Shield, commonly referred to as Schrems 2, and he won again. So why did Privacy Shield fail? They knew what the court had said. They designed it specifically to address those concerns. Why did the court say, no, try again, this one didn't work? Well, here's what the European court said. The limitations on the protection of personal data are not circumscribed in a way that satisfies requirements that are essentially equivalent to those required under EU law. In other words, they said, nice try, but limiting bulk data access to six cases is not equivalent to the protections we give in Europe. That's still six cases too many is kind of the implication. The court stopped short of invalidating the SCCs, those private contracts, instead saying that company can use an SCC, but the company needs to decide on its own whether the laws of the country where they are sending the data offers adequate protection under EU law. A lot of people looked at this two ways. Some people looked at that and said, well, you just said Privacy Shield wasn't adequate because of the law. So how could an SCC also be adequate? However, most companies decided to interpret that as, oh, SECs are created by the European Union, so they're adequate. Uh, They are the recommended legal text of the European Union itself, so we can use our SECs and continue operations as normal. And that's what most companies did. And on cue, a Max Schrems appears. Well, this time, Noib, a group founded by Max Schrems, filed complaints against 101 European websites, arguing they stopped sending data to U.S.-based tech providers, even under SECs, because the U.S. doesn't provide adequate protection for Europeans against surveillance. These complaints are lodged with Europe's individual country data protection agencies based on where the companies running the website are headquartered. Facebook's European operations happen to be headquartered in Ireland. Guess what happened next? In September 2020, Ireland's Data Protection Commission issued a preliminary order for Facebook to suspend EU user data transfers to the U.S. Now, this doesn't mean that Facebook had to suspend it right away. It was a preliminary order. It said, we're going to order you to do this. This is why we're going to order you. Ireland said the SEC was not sufficient. But they gave Facebook a chance to respond. Facebook complained that they didn't have enough time to properly respond, but they gave Facebook a chance to respond. A new draft based on that was then sent to the 26 privacy regulators in the EU for joint approval. So that order has not been finalized. But Facebook is taking it seriously. In a filing related to this whole process, Facebook wrote, In the event that Facebook were subject to a complete suspension of the transfer of users' data to the U.S., as appears to be what the DPC proposes, it is not clear to Facebook how in those circumstances it could continue to provide the Facebook and Instagram services in the EU. That's that's a threat. You take away our SCC protection, we take away Instagram and Facebook. You want to do that? Whether they would or not, it's a whole different thing. It actually might be costlier to just stop operating in Europe than to adapt and keep the data separate, as costly as adapting and keeping the data separate would be. But Facebook's 
certainly worried about it. They're worried enough to make threats. And Facebook can tie this up in courts for a while. Uh, they can they can take it to court. They can try to buy time. And as to those SCCs, there may be hope for Facebook and others on that front as well. The EU had been working on updating SCCs to account for GDPR, which is one of the criticisms of them. That work paused while the Privacy Shield case was going on, you know, to see what would happen. But that work has now resumed. And the EU and the U.S. are still working on a new agreement. The problem is the two major court decisions we have now seem to leave the U.S. no other option but to change its surveillance laws in respect to Europeans, something that's not likely to get through Congress when very little can ever get through Congress. Now, the U.S. says its surveillance practices are proportionate. In fact, the U.S. Commerce Department believes that amendments to U.S. laws passed since 2016 have increased protections and mitigate many of the concerns in the Privacy Shield case. They're saying, listen, if you brought that case again today, you wouldn't be able to make all the arguments you made when you originally brought it because we have new laws on this. On October 7th, 2022, the president of the United States signed an executive order implementing the latest attempt at a framework. This latest attempt called Privacy Shield 2.0 creates a data protection review court that EU citizens can appeal to. We'll see if this one holds up. In other words, I hope you know a little more about the EU-US Privacy Shield.